Can we get over our addiction to IP? We answer that question and more this week on Only Stupid Answers. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Only Stupid Answers. This is the show where we answer your questions about movies, TV shows, comic books, uh, collectibles, IPs, sex, strikes, all of that, and more. Uh, I'm your host, DJ Wildridge. With me, as always, is Roxy Stryer. Hello, Roxy. Hello, DJ. How are you doing? Fat, super fabulosus. Great. I am going to choose to believe you. With, <laughs> with us today, we have a very special guest. Dan, introduce yourself to the kids at home. Uh, I'm Dan Larson from Secret Galaxy, formerly Toy Galaxy, uh, your source for uh, all the other stuff that you're talking about, you know, pop culture analysis, media criticism, all that kind of stuff, talk a lot of cartoons, comics, toys, anything that touches that pop culture sort of history realm. We'll, 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 if we haven't gotten to it, we'll get to it. <laughs> It's on uh, the list. Dan, uh, exactly. It's, well, listen, it's on the list. We will get to it. Um, Dan, I'm so thankful uh, for you uh, joining today. Joining us today. I'm a big fan of your show, and I'm really, I've been wanting to have this conversation. I wanted to do this episode for a while, and I've wanted you to be a part of this conversation for a while. So I'm glad to get into it. But before we do, a little bit of business up top. Of course, if you want to listen to this show ad-free, if you want to watch it live, if you want to check out Patreon-exclusive shows like Spider-Versity, which I do with Sal from Comic Pop, you can do that over at patreon.com slash onlystupidanswers. Uh, If you listen to the show on iTunes, please give us a five-star review. It is very helpful. Uh, And if you listen on Spotify every week, we ask you a question. Last week's question was, have you ever performed in live theater? Uh, The answer, the options were, it was a poll. Yes, no, not on stage, but behind the scenes, as in you're, you're doing the lights or whatever. So, Roxy, w- our audience, what do you think the percentages were that did live theater? You know, it was such a high percentage of people who had tried stand-up. Yes. And I feel like more people have done live theater than stand-up. You would think that. You, I'm wrong? You, you would think that. You would think that. You know, listen, we have different guests on, demographics change. Uh, Here's how it broke down. So yes was 14%. Not on stage, but behind the scenes was also 14%. No was a resounding 71%. No way, DJ. So more of our audience does stand-up than live theater. Y'all are ballsy. (laughs) That's intense. I know the answer to this question for Roxy. Roxy, of course, has done live theater. Dan, have you ever done live theater have you ever been on stage no no the the very thought of it was absolutely terrifying until just very very recently and i still haven't actually taken that plunge yet i've done things that are similar to it you know live uh, hosting uh panels you know at at big conventions that sort of thing but never actual live performance yeah this is a real story that i want to tell you guys in the next 30 seconds the biggest trauma when i think about my childhood the one of the moments that stands out is this time that I was on stage at camp. I went to a theater camp and I'm on stage. I'm in fourth grade. I get on stage and I'm singing this song, Poor Sweet Baby. And in the middle of it, I freeze. Mm-hmm. I'm, everybody in the camp is in front of me. I freeze. I don't remember the lyrics. I look out and the guy next to me starts singing and nudges me. Okay, I've told this story a thousand times before. It's like really brought me nightmares at night. Yeah. Every All my family is like, I'm sure that didn't happen. I'm sure that wasn't that bad. 
Guess where I went this past month? I went to Boston. Guess what I did? I looked at all of our home videos. Guess what I found? Mm -hmm. An actual copy no. with that moment <laughs> in it. And I watched it 4,000 times on repeat. It's worse than I remember. Yeah. I actually can't. I, when I think about that, sorry, Dan, you just said you're thinking about stepping into live theater. Yeah. It, it was the most traumatizing, just forgetting. You have nobody, you have nothing. Whew. Horrible. Okay. Well, but here uh, counter like the positive of that, trying yeah. to trying to find the 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 um the silver lining to that cloud. I never forgot my lines ever again. Oh, not just that. I assume, you know, because I am a warrior. It's something I'm very good at. Um and when the worst happens, then you're like, well, I get the worst has happened. I can't, it won't ever be as bad as that one time. And I survived that. So that's like what you say during an apocalypse. Yeah. I don't know that forgetting your lyrics on stage means that that will never happen again. But, but I, but you survived it and you're thriving. I didn't. Okay, you were still there. We're figments of your imagination. You're still frozen in that moment, and you've imagined the rest of your life playing out to this moment. I'm gonna now. send it to you, DJ. Please, you should post it. You. you should post it on YouTube. I will post it. It was, it was truly as bad as I remember. Where I'm just singing, I'm belting, and then I go around the other side, and you just see it on my face. Yeah. Oh, horrifying. I, I wonder how much of that is psychological. I had a I had a, a girlfriend in college who she was convinced she had to go get her wisdom teeth taken out. Yeah. And somehow she had gotten convinced ahead of time that she was going to wake up during the surgery. They were going to use all the put her to sleep, you yeah. know, do all the stuff. And she was going to wake up during the surgery. And everybody was like, you're crazy. The drugs are fine. You're not going to do it. She woke up in the surgery. And I wonder how much of that is you you programmed yourself to do it yeah she woke up while they were doing the surgery and they were they were like okay well we're gonna hit you with the gas again yeah yeah, yeah. it's your body's like well you were telling me to do this for yeah, ever, yeah, leading up yeah. to this so i just assumed this yeah. is what we're doing but um, how do you not obsess over forgetting your your lyrics you know before you have to go up on stage and that's yeah. the fear that everybody has yeah horrible oh my god well do you all worry for future because i mean we're in the we're we're in a range there's a spectrum of ages here but do you all worry for like the kids growing up with smartphones because a lot of my worst most embarrassing experiences weren't posted on social media and now for as far as anybody knows never happened uh and there's there's i've seen videos of kids doing stupid things it's like that's forever now there it's gonna be a yeah, part of their lives I forever that's the stupid things and more the like extremely harmful horrible things that you do as a kid yeah. that you just like Thank gosh, nobody ever saw me yeah. egg that house or whatever horrible, stupid, like just that stuff. Now that's out there. And I, it was popular. It was coming up when I was applying for colleges, right? Yeah. Like what was on your Facebook wall? Okay. What they could see, stuff like that. So, but yeah, DJ, I'm definitely worried for the kids are not all right. Yeah. The kids are not. They don't right. know. They don't know. They're just recording all this stuff they're doing. Like, don't, maybe don't do that, actually. <laughs> maybe don't do that. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So, Dan, before we get into news, um, you just hosted Hasbro PulseCon, uh, like, what, a week ago? Two weeks ago? Yeah, roughly two weeks ago. Um, for two those, weeks ago today, actually, yeah. So, for those that don't know, what what is Hasbro PulseCon? Uh, PulseCon grew out of the pandemic, you know, before PulseCon, uh, before the pandemic happened, uh, any of these kinds of events would have been in-person events. That was This would have been part of 
Toy Fair. It would have been part of uh, San Diego Comic-Con, New York Comic-Con, any of these sort of uh, bigger in-person shows where marketing for all these companies, Hasbro, Mattel, whatever, have the opportunity to showcase their new stuff that's coming up. Yeah. Show you the, the things you're going to pre-order six months, months from now, you get a year, year and a half from now. Uh, and then when the pandemic happened, and this happened across businesses, not just for for toys and collectibles and stuff, but everybody sort of took on. I mean, I, I don't know how old your show is. I don't know if this show predates the pandemic. Yeah. But a lot of shows yeah. were born during the pandemic yeah. because what else are you going to do? You know, it's the only way to reach your audience. And that was what uh, PulseCon became was they started doing their own weekly events, their own monthly events, and then their own sort of big showcase events. And Hasbro Pulse is the sort of fan focused collector focused part of their uh general brand and so PulseCon really focuses on those those transformers gi joe marvel legends those key uh brands this is the stuff i don't know as much about so forgive me but why pulse that's a question for hasbro yeah because that's the that's the name of their mean something in the toy community it's their online no no i think it's it's just a marketing buzzword they've got you know they're they're on the pulse of collectors yeah Yeah, yeah. exactly exactly Um, i'm sure it's that simple (laughs) Was it your first time hosting it? Yes, yes. This is the first time they've had. Uh, so uh, last year, Theo Adams, who was my co-host on PulseCon this year, he did the pre-show last year. There was yeah. like a little 20, 30-minute pre-show, and then they handed it off to, I don't remember what uh, the actor's name was, who actually hosted it. Uh, but he's you know he's a professional actor, and yeah. uh, the focus was more on that sort of style of presentation, trying to, to cater the show to a wider audience. Uh, that would be expecting more familiar names. And this year they kind of looked at it and said, why don't we just speak directly to the the customer and, and bring in members of that community? Yeah. Uh, and so they asked Stu and I to come in and co-host it. That's awesome. Were there, what were, were there any like major highlights, like stuff, stuff I should be looking out for? <laughs> stuff, as far as the toys and stuff are concerned? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's lots of cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, that was the whole point of it. You know, I, it was, I wanted to take pictures and send them to all my friends, you know, in the days before the thing actually aired, but you know, we were on a NDA mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah, talk yeah. about those things. So yeah, well, no, there's lots of cool when stuff. When you were I mean, done, were you able to... uh, I'm, you're, you're a big comics guy, so yeah. if uh, if you know Christar, uh, yeah. they're they're sort of the Hasbro's digging into some of their sort of archive stuff and saying, what do we own that we can make some money off of, we can take advantage of that we've never actually utilized in the last you know thirty forty years. The Christar thing was wild for me because that's an, that's one of those that's like ROM that it's like wait, so Marvel does own it. like the wait, right. okay, it is theirs right. now. <laughs> yep. Okay. Well, it yeah. always was theirs. Christar is a is a really rare thing where. Marvel was had their sort of uh, deals with uh, Hasbro at yeah. the time. And so Hasbro creates G.I. Joe and says, we've got these toys. We need a mythology. Yeah. So they go to, to Marvel and Marvel creates the mythology. And that's the same thing that happened with Transformers and a lot of the uh, these other toy brands. Kristar is Hasbro saying, let's just do our own in-house thing. There's no cartoon to- associated with it. We're going to create some toys. Marvel's going to do the mythology. And that's just what it's going to be. Yeah. And that's that's what exists. Yeah. Are you a big collector? Am I? Yes, very yeah. much so. Yeah. What do you collect? Very action figures. <laughs> Lots of stuff. Did you get uh, yeah, anything? Did, did you, you steal? Did you, when, when like the presentation was over, did you like sneak anything in your bag? Like, yeah. oh no. I tried to steal the Crystar. I <laughs> yeah, tried yeah. to steal that action figure, but they, they had uh, uh, pretty, they had everything pretty much on lockdown. They had everything, you know, marked and numbered and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't want to get anybody in trouble. You know, I didn't want to jeopardize the possibility that I could go back and host again next year. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. I get it. Um, but they gave me tons of stuff. So <laughs> worth it. Worth it. Um, 
So going in, before we get into our main topic, our main topic for today is we're going to be talking about IPs and studios' reliance on IPs and stuff like that. But before we do that, a little bit of news. Um, not as exciting as I was secretly hoping, fingers crossed, that maybe we'd get a SAG deal this week. Uh, apparently that was overly ambitious on my part. Uh, I was reading a, a Deadline article where somebody, an insider, was like, yeah, it'll probably be three to four weeks. I'm like, three to four weeks? We just... Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> it's already been long enough. But um, uh, Wednesday, they put out a joint statement, uh, SAG after and the MPTP, whatever. Um, they. Uh, AMPTP, bro, you've got this. Sure. I believe in you. Uh, they met for a full day of bargaining sessions and have, uh, and have concluded negotiations will continue Friday, October 6th. That's today, as of this recording, with parties working internally over the weekend, resuming Monday, October 9th. A different uh, insider said, "This is a se- this is senior people sitting down together, and the deliberations are going well. Everyone is conducting themselves calmly, which feels weird that you need to specify that." Um, so, Roxy, how are you feeling about all this? Uh, I was one of the people who was like, "You guys are jumping the gun on this. This is going to take weeks," and everybody was like, "This is going to be go- done super soon," but there. The thing is that even if we're giving everybody the benefit of the doubt, there's still a lot of nuances. Like if you look at what SAG, if you look what the actors are asking for, it's a 12 page document Mm -hmm. of things that like really need to be finessed. And unless the AMPTP is going to say, we'll give you everything, they're going over every single point. So Um. it's, it's the things like, okay, what is the turnaround time for your audition to be turned in, right? Like uh, 24 hours. No, we want 48 hours. How about 36 hours? It's all those conversations that I'm sure are taking a long time already. And then on top of that, when people are like, why don't we just do for for SAG what we did for the WGA with AI? It's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. So how SAG and or how actors would be replaced or use AI versus how the writers would are different. So they need different verbiage and coming up with that, the studios are going to be extremely precious about because that right now, you know how far apart they are yeah. where the studios are like, you come in for one day, we own your likeness forever and mm-hmm. don't pay you a dollar. Yeah, uh, that is very far apart from what SAG is asking for, which is a living wage. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are two completely on the opposite ends of the spectrum things. So, yeah. I never thought this would be a couple of days, but five weeks feels like a fucking long time, especially because of how this industry works. Obviously, production shut down for all of December, if not for most of November, because Thanksgiving and December, yeah. Hollywood is like closed for the last two months of the year. Yeah. So I think that this is very strategic on the AMPTP's part, where they're like. We're going to squeeze two more months out of not paying people by making sure that we close this end of October. So productions don't start back up. So see y'all in January, February. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, I thought they were going to do that the whole time. But now watching them do that is so irritating. Yeah, we're going to we're going to finish it up just in enough time for Jason Momoa to promote Aquaman. Yeah, but not in enough time to maybe shoot anything Maybe get, maybe squeeze in one last Aquaman reshoot. We'll see. Listen, we'll see how we feel. Um, so, uh, Dan, a lot of the stuff you cover is from a while ago. Has the, has the strike impacted you at all? 
Not really. No, uh, we've tried to be very careful. I'm not. I'm not a member of any union. I wish I could be. I, I have union envy right now. <laughs> yeah. Because we, you know, there's no writers' union I can join. There's no actors' union. There's no directors. There's no YouTube producers' union. Yes. Uh, but I honestly, you know, as as far as my own personal beliefs are concerned, everybody should be in a union. Everybody right now. I wish. I was really hoping that this, you know, the writers' strike was just going to kick off, and and it it has to a certain degree yeah. kicked off this sort of wave of, you know, uh, strikes across the country in different uh, professions, you know, not just in, in entertainment. Uh, but I want to see that happen everywhere for everybody uh, all the time. Like just labor, take your power back. So um, while it hasn't necessarily impacted us directly, I've tried to be very careful about how we conduct our show and making sure that we aren't in any way, treading too closely to, you know, are we, are we, am I jeopardizing my, potential membership of the writers union in the future jeopardizing my potential you know of any of these unions uh same with greg you know he would love to be in the director's guild someday you know is he are we getting too close to any of this stuff so i have enough contacts enough friends enough people who are in these unions who i've sort of reached out to and said hey uh, i'm thinking about hosting PulseCon. is that (laughs) is there any kind of conflict i don't know about any of this stuff works uh, and so it's uh, it hasn't affected our production, but it, we've wanted to make sure we've cleared everything and been careful. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I do think, and I don't know. I'm unfortunately not informed enough to know how this would work. But it, watching all this go on, there's been moments where it's like, yeah, it'd be nice if YouTube creators had a union, so that some of that stuff was clear. Because especially once SAG went on strike, where it was like, um, uh, you know, our SAG members can't do this. And also maybe non-SAC members. Like, what, what, does that, what does that mean? We're not, we'll see. Uh, right, and, yes. and, it's, and so if we had our own union to be like, well, no, these are our, you know, protecting our interests. I think some of that stuff would be clearer. Um, Especially DJ because of how non-transparent YouTube actually is. And I understand <laughs> that that's a platform that all of us are on. Yeah. But the fact that they say they take around 30% of your revenue and year after year they take 50% of my revenue and that is not close to 30%. Yeah. Uh, is, and they're just allowed to do that. And when you question them or try to reach somebody, it's like, find another platform. Yeah. And that is crazy and i thought about posting the show on e-bombs world but you know it's just not gonna it it feels like that should be illegal but what do i do right like there's nobody to go to and i and i do think not just youtube but the this space in general it's the hosting space the digital space that doesn't have a union and hopefully they will at some point as we're seeing um with the the marvel vfx people come into the union or as we're seeing now with SAG passing the the authority to have gaming strikes. Like there's mm-hmm. all different movement that I feel like is leading towards the YouTubers rising up, yeah. but it is tough, Dan. <laughs> it is very annoying and frustrating where it's like, what is the next step of that? Is it just have to be one of us? That's like, I am going to start a union who wants to join. Mm-hmm. Like what even, how is the union? Which form? of us is excited to fill out paperwork the most? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like that's a full time job and like you know, it's already hard out here. So Well listen. By the time we're done with this conversation, we'll get it started. We'll 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 get it started during this video and by the end we'll have our, our petition ready to go. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Scooch on over to our main topic for this week. Um, I think it's been, speaking of the uh, strikes and all that stuff, I, I feel like this has been... Um, uh, there's been a lot of pushback on studios and a lot of discussion around uh, the way the industry has changed, the way the output of industry has changed. And I think part of that conversation has been IP. And obviously, it's a big part of all of our, from one degree or another, it's kind of our gig. We talk about some of the, the biggest brands out there, Star Wars, Marvel, yada, yada, yada. So, Dan, you in particular, uh, for those that aren't familiar, the link's in the description to go check out Secret Galaxy. I highly recommend it. Um, you do videos that are, are pretty comprehensive histories of some of these characters and brands that we all love. Um, having done that for as long as you've done that, do you have like a unifying theory of everything when it comes to like IPs and brands of like, this is how they work. I, I, you see it all. You see the entire history of it all. I mean, there's a whole lot of, you know, copy paste and repetition and, and it's a, it's a pretty well-worn uh, playbook at this point. Um, the, the reality is just that it's safe and it's easy. And yeah. It's proven. And, uh, you know, the, the, the thing that the Marvel cinematic universe and, and things like that, that really broke open, um, was that, you know, if, if you have an audience on this character, then you have them on all these other characters and all of this stuff already exists and you just don't even have to do that much work to make it, you know, happen. Yeah. Um, and, and, it's it's been very weird you know th this generation that grew up in the the 80s it's been this weird almost social experiment of you know the amount of these brands that we are exposed to very very young that yeah. have become legacy brands and just refuse to go away yeah <laughs> partially because we're asking for it but yeah. partially because they just won't stop putting it out there you know it, that it just suffocates the the market for anything else yeah uh, it's it's very interesting to see how this is sort of dragged on and tried to predict where it might go in the future. Um, that that's another thing that because I think we talked about this a little bit of this uh, kind of when we we're talking about like how much of it is a self fulfilled prophecy, how much of it is this is what people want, this is what we grew up with, we want that familiarity, and how much of the studio is the studios going? Well, we already kind of know how to do a Batman, so let's do a couple of new Batmans. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, that's always going to be safer than taking a risk on, you know, a peacemaker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and trying to find something new and, and turn into uh, something as big as a, a character like Batman, you know. That's also still an IP. Yeah. You know, it's like, at some point, what are the risks ranked A, B, and C, right? Like, like how big a risk is Barbie? technically yeah. you know what i mean yeah, totally because yeah. people are talking about it like it's a huge huge risk and i'm like huh yeah you know what's a big risk everything everywhere all at once that that was a risk oh, for sure and yeah. a risk that paid off but like anything that comes from um marvel dc star wars star trek harry potter mattel uh right. which obviously is different than those other things but still a, yeah. a proven property like I, I just don't know that you can attach the word risk to any of that stuff what is the most 
right now, is there anything that is going to be, that's newer, that's going to be like those big IPs, those big Marvels that I'm speaking about in 20 years? Like, are we providing anything now that's going to be the behemoth in the future? We're just going to keep barreling through with those. You know, I really don't know because the the market is so much more saturated at this point with so many different you know the part of the reason that those brands succeeded the way they did at the time and still today is because you had the entire community in one place right mm -hmm. the, some tv uh you know broadcast regions only had two or three channels yeah. so you didn't have a lot of options if you were going to consume any kind of media in the afternoon after school there was like two shows you could watch yeah. you know so everybody was watching the same thing and so everybody had that shared experience of those same things now these kids today mm -hmm. i don't know what they're watching i don't know what the most popular thing is is it youtube is it TikTok? is it nickelodeon is it the regular broadcast television the the audience is broken up i i have you know a niece uh, and two nephews that are 14 16 and 18 years old and the three of them don't even like the same stuff yeah you know so it's hard to predict what is going to be the thing now i can tell you that there are movies that have come out recently that they have all three fallen in love with uh but those were legacy brands yeah. from 40 years ago yeah. <laughs> you know so it's like is this just going to keep self-perpetuating into the future while we just keep reinventing things you know uh or is something actually going to break through and be new I don't know, maybe Harry Potter was the last thing that did that, that scale. Yeah, that, which is, which is what, over 20 years ago now? It's been a while. It's been, a, well, because Harry Potter. Is that because it comes from the books? Like, it would it have been as big of a property if it didn't? Like, is that why, so. is it the, is it the um, Hunger Game books, the Maze Runner books, the Harry Potter books, the Divergent books? Is that why those have been larger than any of the other YA or like family friendly things that have been out there. Yeah. I think that was a phenomenon. I think those books really caught on across, it, it, you know, across demographics, you know, yeah. uh, kids were reading them, adults were reading them, everybody was reading them. So that, that was a built in audience before that movie series even launched. Uh, and then to have those books continuing to be written as the movies were being made, yeah. uh, just really, really, supercharged that entire franchise uh lord of the rings would have been a sort of different thing where the books already had legacy mm -hmm. you know popularity and and people had been dreaming about the real big screen you know because this you know our culture we we still see movies as the highest form of art right yeah. <laughs> it's not tv it's not comics it's not it's it's always going to be movies if a comic book is super successful it's like when's the movie going to be made if a Absolutely. video game is super successful when's the movie going to be made yeah uh and i think lord of the rings hit that same sort of spot where it was like yes the books have been popular for 60 years or whatever it is but you know the movies are really where it's gonna to to shine and transcend as part of pop culture and and it did uh, i would also put the matrix in there too the matrix series yeah the matrix which again 20 years ago uh, and i you know and truthfully uh, yeah yeah right <laughs> I, when i think we it, it kind of creates this this pattern i remember i was listening to a podcast they were talking about um, american psycho and uh that book came out in the 80s was set in the 80s but by the time they made the movie it was the 2000s and they just decided like okay it's uh, the, the language was this is going to be a period piece because it's in the 80s and you think about how much culture had changed from 1980 to 2000 and then by the time they were talking about it it was 20 20 20 plus whatever so been another 20 years but culture has not shifted as much from 2000 to 2020 and so i i feel like we're 
you know, we're talking about it within the space that we're most familiar with, movies, TV shows, comic books, that sort of thing. But across the board, it feels like American cult, the culture has just kind of stopped. Obviously, there's been advancements in technology and everything, but the way our culture, you, you think from 60, you know, the difference between the 50s and the 60s and the 60s and the 70s and the 70s and 80s and like 2000, 2020, it's like not that, not much has changed. No, I, I it's, it is, go ahead. What are you talking about, DJ? What do you mean? What do you mean not much has changed between 2000 and 2020? We went through an effing pandemic. From 2000 to 2023, we went through 9-11. We went through a pandemic. Yeah. We've gone through several strikes. I mean, the, the the landscape is completely different. Fashion is completely different. The sound of music is completely different. Not the sound of music as in the musical, yeah. the literal sound <laughs> of music. Uh, I mean, I think that we are nowhere close to what we were at in 2000. I feel like you could... You could- shoot a movie set in 2000 and you and you wouldn't have to change much whereas if you're shooting a movie in 2000 set in 1980 you ha- it's a completely different paradigm i would yeah. argue that huh. i would argue that society has shifted but the pop culture has not yeah and it is weird it's always weird to me you know because we we really live in our channel we live in you know basically 1977 through 1997 like yeah we, we really don't venture outside that 20 year period very much and it's always weird to me when i think like oh man you know we're, we're talking about this thing that was released in 1982 1983 40 years later we're still talking about that if i was a kid i was a kid if i was a 10 year old mm-hmm. kid in 1986 and you were trying to sell me on on characters that my parents had grown up with yeah in the 40s I would not have been interested at all. And so I don't know how these brands are, are continuing to connect with kids, these kids today. It's 40 years old, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, like let them have their own thing. But it doesn't seem like anything is actually breaking through because everything is so dominated by these 40 year old brands. What about like Star Trek TOS, right? I feel like that that's the 60s. Yeah. And we did. That was super interesting to me as a kid. Um, I, think, I think that there were some properties, but also television and movies were relatively new for that generation. For, you know, when I talked to my grandparents about what things they were watching on the television, mm-hmm. it's like, of course, that doesn't always interest me because they were still like putting stick figures on effing TV. You know, mm-hmm. they were still figuring it all out. Some of their movies interest me, right? Like some of these most uh famous wizard of oz citizen kane whatever of all time of course those interest us because they are done on such a grand scale and there will never be movies like that again but their television no it doesn't but i do think that you would have been interested as a kid if there was a good property that's not that i know a little damn but (laughs) i i would think most people would be interested if the if the property was good yeah, I mean, there were definitely things like that. Tarzan is a is a, a, a brand you can go back, a character you can track back to Edgar Rice Burroughs novel. Sherlock yeah. Holmes is one that's always been out there. James Bond certainly has been, you know, across generations at this point, at least yeah. four generations of, you know, TV and movie viewers and book readers <laughs> um, uh, for sure. But the stuff that was actually, you know, that I was interested in as a kid, Masters of the Universe, G.I. Joe, Transformers, you know, that was all brand new cutting edge stuff that I was connecting with because of the way that the media landscape had changed. Yeah. The media landscape had changed where cartoons were being made specifically to promote these things to that age group to go out and buy them. Don't you think period. we're doing that now though with social media? Isn't that the biggest oh, sure. difference between 20, 2000 and 2023 is like 
yeah, we don't get it because we're old as fuck. Like no. they get it. The, <laughs> yeah. the TikTok stuff. You know, I watch every week when I'm watching Shark Tank, which as DJ knows has become my obsession. Uh, all the time they're like, these products come out and they're like, well, have you started to figure out how to promote this on TikTok? And I laugh to myself like, would that really work? And then I go look at their TikTok and it's got like, 15 million views mm -hmm, on a video mm -hmm. and i'm like okay if a show is doing well now it's getting 1 million views you know yeah. like and yeah, obviously yeah. it's much shorter but that is the change of the landscape they they just released what the f was the movie they just mean girls did you guys see that they just released mean girls mm -hmm. on tiktok in 23 parts yeah good way I to saw that not have that to pay like, residuals not have to pay residuals to your actors good job yeah, Bring yeah. Them strike. that's effed yeah. up make sure as you guys are negotiating at the yeah. table that you include something about social because that wasn't even a problem that i thought we were going to have yeah. but the point being that we don't just because like that isn't working for us that's working for a whole gen i guarantee you that is how a lot of people watch that movie for the first time yeah and that's yeah a wild child but i think to like to, to dan's point you roxy you bring up um star trek and i think another uh example is something like gi joe that existed prior to the 80s but both of those brands had to go through massive revamps you know, like Star Trek TOS is not Star Trek The Next Generation. Some of the principles are the same. And now, what has Star Trek done now? It's like, well, what if we went back to the TOS era a third time? Like, what if we, oh, it's Pike this time, which I like Strange New Worlds. I'm not, I'm not dogging Strange New Worlds. But um, it, we're, we're kind of, the idea, and, I, and truthfully, I think it's, that's been something that was to Star Trek's benefit that they forgot god about is that they could do different things whereas you know if you're doing a star wars and there's not a skywalker in there good luck <laughs> good luck yeah, with that yeah. um but I like for, one, for... Of, one of the things you're seeing right now is this this attempt and and it's been happening for the last 20 years as as those 80s generation brands uh, sort of needed to be refreshed and rebooted and those kids who, who are now adults were asking for it they wanted to buy stuff you start to see these attempts to make these these uh, ips fit both demographics right yeah. so uh, star trek your example just now what they're doing right now is they have there's so many different kinds of star trek available yeah. that if you're a fan of the original series you have that access if you're a fan of the next generation crew you have that access if you want, would rather watch an animated series you have that as well yeah. there's lots of different ways that they're trying to reach different audiences while maintaining that legacy brand you guys are sticking for the most part and me too in this conversation talking about fantasy sci-fi right but I do think that there are a lot of different interesting situations taking place, especially in horror, um, where they're not necessarily connected to that initial IP. I mean, there are uh, things like The Shining, of course, or whatever yeah. that are connected to a lot of different books, or there are big franchises that are have been going on for a long time that are coming back, the Halloweens, the Screams of the World, all of that. Sure. But I do think that they have done a better job of figuring out whatever that breakthrough is of like new different hit them with something else make our own new legacy properties that hopefully will have sequels in 30 years i don't mean hopefully as an i want sequels that no. they're hoping have sequels yeah. in 30 years uh, hmm. and I, I wonder why the fantasy sci-fi space feels to be just like cycling backwards and backwards and backwards and the horror space and i'm sure if we go through comedies other genres those spaces seem to be able to find new things to move forward with. Well, I think with horror, it's because it's cheap. It's like, here's $10, make me a movie that'll make me a million dollars. Like, uh, uh, they don't have, they're not betting. It's not, you're not making a $300 million horror movie. 
um, which allows them, you know, that you mentioned everything everywhere all at once that was made for 25 million, which for all of us is a quite a significant sum of money. But as far as movies go, especially a movie of that scale, um, is really impressive. So I, I think this does come into, um, obviously, as we've talked about, the nuance of this Deadpool is an IP, but it wasn't as well known an IP before the movie. But that was the rare occurrence of a mid-budget superhero film. And so I think um, part of that conversation is maybe the studio's opening up to the idea of maybe not betting the entire farm on one tentpole production like i've i've seen a lot of buzz for the hulu film no one will save you which in my opinion is not very good but um i think part of the reason it's getting a lot of buzz is it's one of the few examples of like i saw somebody describe it as like a a puddle of water in the middle of the desert like oh it's it's not a big brand you know what i mean it's a mid-budget movie and so like maybe that allow if we allowed for more mid-budget movies it would allow for us to recycle less ideas um and also might bring back like roxy brought up comedy and it's like as far as theatrical release as far as i when i understand comedies are like dead like they're you know like that was a big thing with bros when that came out it was like dead on arrival and just because that's not studios don't like promoting them and putting them in theaters they'd rather send it straight to streaming well, what yeah, would you I think. Call, he, oh, what would you call the most recent Mar- Mattel movie? A comedy or no? The uh, Barbie, but again, big IP. That's not. That's different than something like Bros. Right. Yeah. Right. But yeah. just, I, I don't think comedy is dead. I think that people think comedy is dead, and then they're not doing a comedies. But like that Jennifer Lawrence movie just did pretty well. Yeah. Uh, but I definitely hear what you're saying. Sorry, Dan. Go ahead. Uh, no, I think you brought up a great point about horror, and horror I think is unique right now uh, in the marketplace. And, and I would credit that to the fans of horror and to what the fans are asking to consume and are willing to consume as, as films. There is a much more innovative and vibrant community around supporting much, much, much smaller horror films out there right now. Yeah. Is that intrinsic to the genre? You know, so much of the classic horror movies, like you said, DJ, mm-hmm. were made with, with much, much smaller budgets. And in, and in many cases, as I understand it, a lot of directors got into horror because they just wanted to make movies and horror was, it was easily accessible. It was affordable. And so they started making horror movies. And I think the audience that exists right now wants to watch just innovative, interesting, new takes, new characters, new concepts for horror that the science fiction audience isn't necessarily, or the mass audience, I should say, isn't necessarily asking for or demanding. Yeah. It's a good point as DJ knows, because he had, um, the director of the movie that I was just in crust, which got a SAG interim agreement. So I can talk about it freely, which is very cool and nice to not feel like my hands are being tied. But um, when we were promoting that and they were getting crowdfunding, they like so far past where, what they wanted to do, because I think that the, that horror community is just the, for lack of better words, the fucking coolest. Yeah. Like, yes. I don't know how the other fandoms can do what the horror fans do, but for some reason, it's like, uh, unlike the Star Wars fans who just, as much as I love Star Wars, it's so toxic and it's so frustrating to have any conversations. Like, never am I at um, any of the horror cons or, or screenings and hearing like the but what if and they're all so cool and if you don't like something they're like that's cool i love that one there's something about that fandom i don't know whether it's because they like spooky shit so Mm -hmm. that that's like who knows why but they are just so much cooler 
I wish everybody well, was I, a horror fan. Yeah, I think it, it, there's more of an appreciation for the genre as opposed to the specific IPs mm. or the specific characters. It's like they like horror. Yeah. And there's all kinds of horror that can fall into that comedy, drama, science fiction, whatever. Whereas, you know, the the sort of when, when you start talking about superheroes, it's like, well, what's what's available? Marvel or DC? That's yep. all you've got. <laughs> you, yeah. You're not going to get anything else. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and that's what the fans are asking for. I want a better Superman. I want a different Batman, you know? Yeah. I, you know, and that's interesting, too, because uh, going off what you were talking about with horror, Roxy, and something you mentioned earlier, Dan, um, do you think... Um, What's the word? I'm, I'm, we're, we're so broken up, you know what I mean? Because a lot, like you mentioned, like a lot of this stuff was, especially when we were younger, even before that, you had limited options. So we were all kind of, the idea of the water cooler show or whatever, obviously, it's the, or the playground show, depending on the age we're talking about. Is that, obviously it's not entirely gone, but is it? <laughs> like, is it, do we, is everything so um we talk about horror that's so that can be so siloed off are we all and and the way you were talking about star trek the way it specifically speaks to fans of individual things individual components of that brand are we kind of past the days where like we have a few central things that we're all kind of like on board for yeah, DJ, absolutely. You know, another franchise that has a SAG interim agreement right now, which is wild to me and I don't understand it, but it's The Walking Dead. And <laughs> I watched 14 mother effing seasons of The Walking Dead, yeah. right? So like you would think that if we're talking about water cooler conversations, that was one of the biggest properties that there was in the last 14 years that The Walking Dead was up there with some of the biggest shows ever. Yeah. But not only could I not find one effing person to talk to that show about, yeah. but now there's an entire show about Daryl. Yeah. There's like six that, new Walking Dead shows. That I'm not even watching. Yeah. And I was a diehard Walking Dead person. Yeah. So I think it is very difficult because not only did you have to watch all 14 seasons in order to watch this spinoff, theoretically, but then they lose you at some point. So, and that's if you already were a walking dead fan. So how am I supposed to have a water cooler conversation with somebody who has a family and a life? And I'm like, yeah, but did you see episode 400 of the walking dead? Yeah. <laughs> did you catch it? No. no? All right. All dude. Right. Like, yeah. So I, I think, I think that speaks to uh, the risk that is on both sides of, of a production. There's the, the mitigation of the risk from the production side that doesn't want to spend a bunch of money. That's not going to make a bunch of money. Like they'll yeah. spend hundreds of million dollars if they think they can make billions of dollars. Yeah. So it's all about, you know, minimizing that degree of risk. But the other phenomenon that, that seems to have occurred in, I would say the last 20 years as, as media and narrative gets shorter and shorter and shorter, mm. I think there's a mitigation of risk on the viewer's end where there's so much out there to consume. There's so many shows and so many movies and stuff that people don't want to take a risk and spend the time to watch something that they don't know that they're already going to love. Yeah, that's a good point. So Star Wars, it becomes like, well, I already like Star Wars and I already know these characters and I've already invested so much time in it. So it's no risk to watch the next show as opposed to trying something new. Yeah. The bigger, the equal part to that, Dan, I think, because that's a great point, is that also, if you want to continue to be a Marvel fan, 
You cannot miss a season of their show or you will be fucking confused <laughs> or, during their movies. And they've made it so that you have to watch all of their properties if you are a fan of theirs. Because all of a sudden, same thing with Star Wars, same mm-hmm. thing with DC. All of a sudden, you'll be watching one of their big movies. And if you missed a season three of one of their side character shows, you do not know that a character is dead. Yeah. And you're like, whoa, what? Yeah, what or happened? A couple is together or whatever it is. Uh, and also to to continue that with that um, thought, there's also a lot more pressure put on the audience members. Where if like, okay, you didn't watch season one of this new Netflix show through its entirety three times on opening weekend, too bad, it's canceled now. Hope hopefully it gets picked up by another network. Sorry, my dog's wilding out, and we, which makes no, it, no. Uh, which makes it. Um, more like because because i know um speaking of walking dead amc plus had uh two shows last year i think uh moonhaven and um pantheon that were amazing and not only pantheon has a season two they've shot it it's done i don't know if i'll ever get to see it it was canceled and thrown into a vault somewhere (laughs) so is that worth my time and energy to get invested in a thing that now i will never know how it finishes yeah that is frustrating yeah. Yeah, and you are right that the the risk on the viewer's part jumping into something that isn't already attached to an IP means that it it might get canceled, you might never see it. Yeah. It might you might have nobody to talk to about it. It's not going to be relevant um to whatever franchise that you love and TV is time consuming. I mean, yeah. it is very time consuming as somebody I just hit my 100th show of the year. A big TV watcher binger. For you guys who follow me, you know I'm a lover of love, a shipper of ships, a TV expert. This yeah. is my jam. And it is really hard to keep up with stuff to the point where I haven't watched the most recent Star Wars property because I'm too busy watching my 50 Netflix dating shows that I can't get off of. Yeah. Like, and I, and I will get there because if I do not watch the most recent Star Wars property – then every time I say that I like Star Wars, what somebody says to me is, what did you think of Ahsoka? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I haven't seen it yet. And they're like, not a Star Wars fan. Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry that I didn't watch it the week that it came out. Did you guys watch the 50 other shows that I watched that week? No. Back off. So we got a a personal problem. (laughs) We got a question from the Discord from Mike Joyce. Do you see Hollywood's obsession with big IP ending anytime soon? What do you think, Dan? Do you think this will be anywhere on the horizon for us? I really don't. I really don't. The the way that the the my understanding, I don't have any sort of inside knowledge of anything. I, I only go by what I read online and, yeah. and what people tell me uh, is that the way the dollars sort of works now and, and the way studios are constructed now and the way profits are expected now. Uh, again, we're locked into as low risk as possible, as high return as possible. Um, like you were just saying previously, both of you, you know, where where are the mid movies, the mid budget yeah. movies, the the smaller budget movies that you know studios can take a risk on? There's there's no such thing as a wide release, you know, twenty five, thirty million dollar budget movie anymore. It's just not a thing anymore. And um, I part of that, you know, part of that is the pandemic. Part of that is uh, the IPs themselves. But I just I I don't know what it would take to change that, and and I just don't. 
I don't see it happening anytime soon. I think I think streaming is the is the haven for those kinds of things now. Yeah, streaming or a twenty four. Roxy, what about you? Do you think the strikes will have any positive impact on this? Like, I I guess it may be changing the culture and changing uh, maybe transparency and changing the way money is. One of the things I've been thinking about is I do think that with the writers strike with their big win in the AI area is that the thing that probably would be easiest for AI to write scripts for are these big IPs Mm -hmm. because they have so much, um, because they have so much IP. So they, they have so much to like dig through. So I do think that the strikes are going to affect that because we are going to continue to get more original stories in the worlds of star wars and dc and marvel than we would have had they been like okay star wars episode 50 written by ai Mm -hmm. jared um i think that that would be absolute trash and not art and so i think that that in that way the strikes are positively affecting the kinds of ip that we see because all three of us i'm assuming dan based on what the what i've heard about you so far it's like, I love these franchises. It's yeah. not like I'm sitting here being like, I don't want any more of these franchises. I really do love them. I just love when they're a little different, a little unique. Uh, yeah. And the last thing I want is an entire phase six of Marvel written by AI. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think part of what made these legacy brands so popular initially and, and allowed them to come back or, or, made people demand that they come back was that they ended mm-hmm. <laughs> star wars ended in 1986 it was done the, yeah. as far as we were concerned we might never have seen another frame of a star wars thing for the rest of our lives uh and that made it precious you know there was always that star trek versus star wars debate which one's better which one you prefer star trek always had more stuff the original mm-hmm. series there were more episodes there were more stories that had been told but the original series ended yeah. <laughs> there were stopping points for this stuff where you could take a break and breathe and and see other things and watch other stuff and now it's like yes if you are a star wars fan of any degree of course you want to watch the next thing. Of course you want to know what's going on, but you can only give it so much of your time. Take a break, please. Yeah, I think Dan and I were talking a little bit about this before we went on air. Um, you, uh, similar, like, again, we're all in the same space. We're all we're all talking about this stuff. We all love this stuff. And, and of course, I got into this because I, I love all this stuff. But I didn't. I don't want it to be the only game in town. You know what I mean? Like, it's not... Because uh, uh, like Dan was pointing out, like the, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe to go on the other end if you've been reading the comics, that was exciting because you always dreamed of something like that, this interconnected live action uh, uh, movies. Um, and it had never been realized and was being realized and it felt like a miracle. And now, um, you know, Roxy, to your point, you were kind of like, you have to watch all of them to get it. I would argue, having seen the first four episodes of Loki, that at this point, even if you watch all of them, I don't know that it makes sense. Like, I don't know, I don't know what we're doing with the multiverse. I'm not entirely well, and- convinced they know. <laughs> And there's so much stuff that it's like, does each little, as each piece becomes smaller, as you know, proportionate to the whole, does it even matter? You know, does one episode of Loki actually shift or change or do anything to the narrative other than put those pictures of those people in front of your eyeballs again? Well, and, and even to that, even to that point, does it need to, because I, as somebody that enjoys superhero comics, I pick up characters I like mostly I follow creators I like you know what I mean like um and so you know like I don't I'm not gonna pick up 
the biggest event because events normally aren't very good. Event comics aren't that great. Uh, so, you know, I'm following creators, I'm following stories, I'm following stuff like that. And which is, I feel like the natural progression of this stuff but also exactly what studios don't want they want what roxy was mentioning where it's like you you feel obligated to watch all the things and it's like that's not how i don't pick up every comic marvel publishes i pick up like two (laughs) so let me ask you guys this what is the number one thing you feel like these ips could do moving forward that would be positive for what it is you guys want to see i'm not talking specifics like you want to see this storyline in star wars i just mean in general with the big ones that we're talking about again marvel dc star wars star trek um harry potter uh even if you're going through the matrix whatever it is what is it that you feel like overall they could do to have positive forward momentum here Dan, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to okay, you first. Okay, I'll go first. You first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the <laughs> guest. Host? Guest goes first. No, no, no. I was I was being polite, letting yeah. the host go first. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, for me, it would be to let artists be artists, to let creators create. Yeah. Uh, I think the biggest, uh, the most exciting things that have happened with all of those cr- overarching cross promotional cinematic universes and stuff is when you've given the power uh, to people like James Gunn to mm-hmm. say do whatever you want with this you know like just tell interesting stories make new characters create new things take us to worlds we haven't seen before and innovate on this and then it's it's when they start to succeed at that that you start to get that oh we can turn this into a bigger franchise we can have cartoons and all this other stuff and whatever and it's like no let the artist create what the artist wants to create and when they're done even if that means all those characters are dead yeah (laughs) then let that be the thing. And mm-hmm. I think that would be the most refreshing thing possible for all of this. And then throw in that break. But I know yeah. that that's not how the economics of it works. Yeah, the br- It's like Alan Moore just was channeled through <laughs> you as you were speaking, I feel. Uh, I, I totally agree because I think the best examples I can think of this year of stuff that I thought really excited me was the new TMNT movie. I thought was like a really great, uh, refresh of the franchise reminded me was unlike what I'd seen before, but reminded me all of all the things I loved about it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And, it and it was one of those that's like, I'm so excited for like the eight year olds that this is their first, this is their yeah. team and yeah. It's like, that's a good one. Cause I, I've told this to Roxy. I'll tell this to you too. Like there's a whole generation that to them transformers is the Michael Bay transformers. Yeah. And that yeah. makes me sad. <laughs> Whereas something like this new team and T is like, get yeah, good. This is a good, this is a good, if this is your one, your kit, this is great. Similar with my adventures with Superman, Uh big Superman fan. I think he's my favorite. He's probably my favorite comic book character. And that was such a fresh, unique take uh, on the mythos. Uh, stay true to it in the ways that matter, change things that uh, in ways that were interesting. And again, there's a whole, I, I just in my mind, I could picture a whole generation of kids that this is their first Superman. And it's like, that's incredible. Like this is such sure. a great, introduction to the character and you get to find all the things but i think to your point those are situations where big people creators got to do their own thing um um and i just now because uh my adventures with superman was created uh, was animated by studio mir who did legend of Korra. i think another uh ip that could you know stand the test of time is avatar the last airbender and but again that was a team of creators that like Maybe the last got the squeak one through before the doors closed. If we got to make a, our own thing, our own unique vision was inspired by a bunch of different stuff. But if you let creators across the board, and again, 
to the question I asked you, Roxy, you know, I hope this is how the strikes benefit things, that this is a creative industry. Um, and for lack of a better word, the suits, that's not they're that's not what they're here for is the creative part. Um, and you pay the creative people to do the thing, let them do the thing. Um, and and sometimes maybe it won't result in all of the money, but sometimes it might. So, you know, uh, what about you, Roxy, to your own question? What would you No, like I was to hoping say? you wouldn't ask. Too bad. <laughs> Too late. I just did. <laughs> I think I feel exactly how you guys feel. It's like it's almost not on them. Mm-hmm. It's almost on us, on consumers, to put our money where our mouth is and support the things that deserve to be supported. Mm-hmm. And the more we support independent projects, the more these big studios will realize that while their IPs are important, their independent projects are equally as important. Yeah. So it's it's going out for the the things like the comedies of the world, you know, there's been several this summer that were actually excellent that fucking bombed. Yeah. Um, bummer. Yeah. That's a big bummer. You know, like uh, if you want to see more um, AAPI centered films, then when they come into theaters, you have to f- go see them. Yeah. And that's like as much as I'd rather be like, it's on the studios. It is, but they're not going to do anything to change it. We have to. We yeah. have to support the the other movies. And then hopefully there will be more of a balance because that's what I really want to see is like m- just more other shit. Yeah. Well, and I think that goes to, to Dan's point with the break. You know, maybe it's not a decades long. We don't decades without Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but, you know, like other stuff in between it, you know, other other um, uh, new projects. Um, yeah. The biggest ones not doing that, I do think, is Marvel. I think that it is so such a bummer to be a teenage Marvel fan right now. Like, imagine trying to catch up on these movies mm-hmm. whose characters are still the characters. That To become a Marvel fan at age 12 right now mm-hmm. is like a massive task, a it's, huge undertaking. It's like the like, 90s, being a 90s comic reader all over again. <laughs> just what a bummer. Yeah, I, I, I was that. convinced they had a perfect opportunity to reboot that whole universe at the end of Endgame. Yeah, just right. start over. Just and that would have been great. What an end! What an end game mm-hmm. for that. Right. Like, just <laughs> truly, how cool would that have been? And then new characters, new light, new, well, same characters, different people, whatever. Wait yeah. five years. Take five years off. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, obviously, they didn't do that, and because they probably didn't think it'd be financially beneficial for them. But I just feel like we came up at the perfect time for those. I saw every single one of the Marvel movies in theaters. Yeah. And to catch up on that now, I would just be like, fuck this. That's not my franchise. Well, it's like <laughs> you were talking about with, with Walking Dead. It's like, you want to get in Walking Dead? 15 seasons? Fuck off. That's not happening. Sorry. It's 15? Not, I don't know. I just picked a number. It's it's yeah. a lot. That's a lot. So uh, one more question from the Discord. Counterintuitive to everything we've been talking about this whole time. Leonard Kim, is there any IP out there that you would want to see become the next franchise movie show dan i'm gonna throw this to one to you first is there one because you like you said you, they're, they're on the list you'll get to them but you've done some more obscure ones you've done some you've done them all is there one that you think is ready for prime time one that's maybe fallen into obscurity but is ready for prime time you know nothing nothing immediately 
jumps out at me. Uh, it all it all just kind of gets lost in this haze of yeah. similarity and sameness and theme and variation um, that nothing immediately jumps out as being so unique and innovative right off the top of my head right now uh, that I would say, man, this is a this is a gem that yeah. I wouldn't mind watching another 20 years worth of stuff. Um, that's uh, yeah, that's uh, that's that's hard to pick out. And, and also because I am constantly immersed in yeah. 20 and 40 year old things mm -hmm. you know <laughs> everything you're like, you're i like, do god is... please give me something new please <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so it is you know as as we sort of grew our channel as we switched from toy galaxy to secret galaxy and we started moving into more movies and tv shows and stuff and got away from 80s cartoons and 80s toys no. specifically that was actually pretty refreshing for me because we mm -hmm. got to start to, to to look at other stuff it's still stuff from 80s yep. and 90s but at least it's different things that i hadn't talked about a billion times before i hadn't watched uh the you know the video we just did comes out next week i hadn't watched that movie since it came out in 1987 or somewhere in in the yeah. 90s i probably watched it uh and i watched it twice on monday and was like that's really good i haven't watched anything like that in a long time really yeah good. what about refreshing. what about you roxy is there something you're like Let's let's brush it off, dust it off, get it ready for get it ready to go. Something from the past or something that's current that I think would be stand the test of time. That's a fantastic point. Is there any IP out there that you would want to see become the next franchise movie or show? Good point. It could be something now that you're like, like I want I this to be the thing 20 years from now that people care it's about. It's the GOT franchise, right? Like that is the one that's current that I think is going to be around for for a long time, they immediately pitched eight shows. Yeah. After I, that, um, do you think it'll be impacted at all because it's more adult oriented, as opposed to a lot of the things we're talking about now that at least a lot of people are introduced to as kids? I think that that's what they're doing with their eight shows. Yeah. Um, and I'm an adult. Yeah. So it's what I want to see. Right? Mm -hmm. Um. So I think that yeah, I think that there is a huge room for that to be the big next thing that people are still talking about in 20 years. Uh, and it's so difficult because my favorite movies every year, my favorite movies are usually some indie movie. Yeah. So no, I'm not going to sit here and say like, I want Marcel Lachelle mm -hmm. to do 20 more movies. Yeah. Because, but you that's would watch not the them. point of Marcel but, but you would watch them. I would watch every one of them. And honestly, I do think it could have a sequel or yeah. two, but I, I hope it's not 20. Yeah. Um, so it's like my favorite movies that you want to see more of. You don't really want to see more of. Yeah. You just want to see that one again. Yeah. Yeah. It, to your point, I saw a headline that was like, they've got plans for uh, John Wick's uh, five through nine. I'm like, before it was, per it was perfect. You ended it perfectly. Stop. It's perfect. Leave it alone. Um, yeah. I think I, I totally agree with both of you, I would like to see them maybe experiment with like stuff, ideas that had promise, but movies that weren't like something like Zardoz, like not a great movie, but there's something in there. You know what I mean? You could do something with there's it. There's a kernel. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like don't remake Total Recall. Total Recall's fantastic. That's great. It's perfect. Nothing, no notes, but like, you know, you could take something that's not Nah, is you know, which is completely counterintuitive. That's not what they want to do. They want to take something that everybody knows and loves and do it again. But like maybe, you know, there's some some that just didn't quite hit it. And maybe you could do more with it now. I guess that the, that's what they keep trying to do with Tron. And that doesn't yeah. never never quite gets off the ground the yeah. way they want. As <laughs> you said, fantastic it. DJ, mm -hmm. obviously. I think the the big one that they're gonna be trying to work on for the next twenty years is fantastic for. 
We'll yes, see. we'll see. <laughs> what they're able to do with that. Yep. <laughs> what were you going to say, Dan? I will never understand when I hear even somebody just kicking the the tires on an idea like, oh, let's redo Back to the Future or whatever. It's like, don't, don't yeah, why? ever dare yeah. touch a movie like that. Why would you? Why would you? The further adventures of the world of Back to the Future, okay, maybe. Yeah. But don't remake. Don't remake something like that. There's no need. That's yeah. a thing that that is timeless and still stands up. Yeah. You can reuse some concepts. You can do whatever. Or like, yeah, there, there's plenty of, of options. And I think where we're, we're landing on is you know allow creative people to be creative be open to new things as an audience member be willing like for for example like whenever i'm picking up my my uh producers for comics i'm always trying like new number ones from indie creators yeah. just to see maybe something will pop off to me to that point in the discord um jay cornblad asks have you read the new transformers comic by daniel warren johnson first issue just uh came out and it's amazing it's the first time i've really uh cared for the transformers of course i picked it up but not because it was a transformers comic but because it was a daniel warren johnson comic exactly and any yes. comic he's doing <laughs> i'm buying so the and, system is consuming him <laughs> yeah yeah and it's what it, it, i mean it is great transformers one is great but but it's I, one of those I'm nothing but proud of and happy for daniel warren johnson yeah he's, he's incredible he's fucking we've had him on the show he's great but his work is fantastic check out do a power bomb extremity uh murder falcon all that shit um, but that's my point. You follow the creator. I'm following that creator. Whenever he does something new, I'm picking that shit up. And it just so happens to be. And, and it's I, doing well because he's a creator that is doing interesting and new and innovative things. Yep. And telling good stories. And Skybound said, let's let him do what he wants to do. Mm -hmm. Let's let Daniel Warren Johnson take this brand and tell a Daniel Warren Johnson story. And I think as long as they stay out of his way, yep. <laughs> as long as Hasbro and Skybound stay out of his way, let him tell his story. I think they'll have a really great, uh, a lot of success with the book. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Very exciting. So that's it. That's our thoughts on IP. Dan, where can the kids find you? Uh, basically secret galaxy or toy galaxy or Dan Larson, pretty much anywhere. Uh, the, all, all of those search criteria will find me, <laughs> but yeah. primarily we are secret galaxy on YouTube and, uh, uh, toy galaxy on Patreon. Uh, there'll be links in the description. Uh, seriously, go check out his stuff. It is fantastic. Roxy, where can the p kids find you? Everywhere at Roxy Stryer. You can find me at DJ talks trash. You can follow the show everywhere that matters at only stupid answers, but on X. Yank out the vowels from stupid. Uh, and we will see you all next time. Thank you, everybody. Bye.